Welcome to the Emerald City Hockey Podcast. Join RJ and Dylan as they discuss each week's Seattle Kraken news and top stories from around the league. All right, RJ, the day we've been waiting for is finally here. All 30 NHL teams have submitted their protection lists, and it's given us our first solid look at what the inaugural Seattle Kraken roster is going to look like. Now, today we're going to go through each and every team's list and talk about who we think the Kraken should draft. But real quick, I just want to mention that this is a sort of simulcast for us, as this marks our first ever Emerald City Hockey Podcast episode. For those of you on YouTube who have been following us, first of all, Thanks for all the support. We really appreciate it. But I also wanted to let you know that we can now be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and will be on Google Podcasts soon. As for those of you who are listening to this podcast and this is your first time with us, hi, first of all, and welcome to the Emerald City Hockey family. If you like this podcast, know that you can find tons of content from us on our YouTube channel, Emerald City Hockey. Okay, that's enough from me, RJ. Why don't you let us know about the Anaheim Ducks? Right, and starting off the protection lists, we have the Ducks, who went with the seven-three-one protection option. Now there was some talk they might go, you know, eight skaters to protect four and four, but they ended up wanting to protect more forwards, and that leaves the crack in a lot of options on defense. So the Ducks have protected Nicholas Delorier, Max Jones, Isaac Lundestrom, Ricard Raquel, Jacob Silverberg, Sam Steele. And Troy Terry is their forwards. And the three defensemen are Cam Fowler, Hampus Lindholm, and Josh Manson. And, of course, John Gibson is the protected goalie. Uh, so that does leave some interesting options exposed, particularly on the blue line. Dylan, is there one of these defensemen that you uh, might want to select over the others? It's got to be Hayden Fleury, right? Like, he, to me, is <laughs> the, the, the guy who screams out of all the unprotected players at, at any position. Hayden Fleury really is the one that stands out to me. You know, I, I thought about Jacob Larson for a sec, but after looking at them both, you know, Hayden Fleury's only a year older at 24, Larson's 23, but just over the course of their careers and then last year with Anaheim, Fleury just, he's just outplayed Larson, so... In my mind, Fleury should be the pick. Not only do I think he'd be a really good defenseman for Seattle, but he should also have a lot of trade value if they decide they want to flip him for something else. Definitely, and the Ducks just gave up assets at the most recent trade deadline to bring mm -hmm. Fleury in, which is why I'm surprised that he's exposed. But the Kraken will happily take advantage of that. You know, he was a Hurricanes draft pick, so you know I think Ron Francis already kind of has the book on him, and I, I do think that's the direction they're going to go here. Agreed. Um, yeah. So moving on to the Arizona Coyotes, and yesterday was a, a tough day for the Kraken looking at the Coyotes' protection list because yeah. Aiden Hill, of course, moved to the San Jose Sharks. Who can protect him? We had Hill as the projected pick from the Coyotes uh, for a long time, uh, but of course that won't be happening. Uh, so looking at the Coyotes' protection list, uh, they've gone seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie like the Ducks. Uh, their seven forwards are Lawson Kraus, Christian Dvorak, Connor Garland, Clayton Keller, Phil Kessel, Johan Larson, and Nick Schmaltz. Their three defensemen are Kyle Capobianco, Jacob Chikrin, and Oliver Ekman Larson, and of course Darcy Kemper in net. So it's it's kind of slim pickings here from Arizona, 
Um, I mean, is there anyone that stands out to you on this list? There, there's literally only one person left available that I can say really anything about why I w- might want the Kraken to take him, and that's Michael Bunting. And that's only because he had 10 goals in 21 games last year. He's only 25, so it's not like he's that old. But to me, to have that kind of scoring potential on a wing, you know, maybe he has some middle six upside on a team where, you know, he should see plenty of playing time potentially. I don't know. It's 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 hard. There's just like no one. Right. <laughs> There's no one. I did like I did like Bunting's game watching him last season. I mean, he went to the net, went to the right areas. You think that 26% shooting percentage is going to be sustainable? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can never say ever, you know? Um, yeah, of these guys, the only other one that maybe Dryden Hunt, I mean, he, um, you know, he put up good numbers in the uh, in the AHL this year, and I I don't know. I mean, you're going to have to just take a chance here. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't I know. Mean, with, yeah, it's, it's slim pickings as far as players you'd want. There's virtually no one on here who has any sort of trade value if you were to take them and try to flip them to somebody else it's it's really rough you know all the all the name brand guys on here they're all guys with ridiculous contracts i mean that's why arizona has them is just to reach the cap floor and i don't think seattle needs to bring on those contracts to hit the 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 cap floor i think that money's better spent elsewhere so um yeah interesting yeah, I, there'll be better opportunities to, to spend money if you're going to spend money here. So moving on to a team that actually has some good options available, the Boston Bruins. Uh, they've protected, they've also gone 7-3-1. They protected Patrice Bergeron, Charlie Coyle, Jake DeBrusque, Trent Frederick, Brad Marchand, David Posternock, Craig Smith, uh, Brandon Carlo, Matt Grizzlick, Charlie McAvoy, and Dan Vladar in goal. So from the Bruins, uh, we've had Jeremy Lauzon as our projected pick for a while now. Looking at the protection list, I mean, there's not really any surprises as far as, you know, who's left available. Are, are we still going with that or uh, maybe Nick Ritchie? Nick Ritchie was a little bit of a surprise for me, and I do think that he's worth looking at. Um, he's kind of like an old school player in that, you know, he's a true power forward kind of guy. Um, I'd like to see more scoring out of him. Like the, the goals have never really come from him that was expected. You know, he was a 10th overall pick by Anaheim back in the day. Um, I, I don't know. I, I still like Lausanne. Um, there's, there's a couple depth guys that, you know, I, I like, but I don't like them as the expansion pick. Uh, someone like a Curtis Lazar or, uh, Andre Kasha, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Lazon's probably probably who they should go after. Twenty three year old defenseman who's shown he can he can hang and, and eat up some minutes. I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yep, agreed. I, I think um Richie wouldn't be a, a bad pick, but again, Lazon, we, we gotta stick with that. Yeah. So moving on to the Buffalo Sabres. Uh they made a move. Uh Jeff Skinner waived his move clause, which helps them out a lot. Uh, they had kind of three forwards to protect and only two forward spots left to protect them. And with Skinner waving the no move clause, that helps them out a bunch. Uh, no, the Kraken will not be taking Jeff Skinner. Um, that's not going to happen. Um, so their protected list, they've got Rasmus Asplund, 
Anders Bjork, Jack Eichel, Casey Middlestadt, Victor Olofsson, Sam Reinhart, Tage Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin, uh, Henry Yoki Haru, Rasmus Ristolainen, and Linus Ulmark, who is a UFA, but they didn't really have any other goalies worth protecting. So um, looking at the Sabres exposed list, uh, you got a lot of... Uh, you got a lot of undesirable money here with uh, Skinner, Kyle Ocposo. Maybe they'll try and swing a side deal with the Kraken to take one of those guys. I wouldn't do it if I was Ron Francis, but who do you like out of these guys for the pick? This is like Arizona all over again. I don't know. I'm really struggling here. Um, again, there's like some depth defenseman names that are interesting, uh, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for me, Will Borgen stands out. Uh, you know, he's a defenseman. He's only 24 years old. He played only 10 games with the Sabres this season because he uh, had an injury that kept him out the rest of the season. But in those 10 games, he looked pretty good. I think he might be worth uh, worth a shot as the pick here. I mean, certainly with not a whole lot of other options, but I think Will Borgen could be an underrated pick if, uh, if the Kraken want to go that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was one of the defensemen I was thinking of. It's just... Yeah, Arizona and Buffalo are the two that that really stand out as just, you know, they're, they're rough. I mean, as you would expect, we know where yeah, I mean, these franchises right? are. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, moving on to future division rival, uh, Calgary Flames. Uh, they've also gone with the 7-3-1 protection option, protecting Michael Backlund, uh, Dylan Dubé, Johnny Gaudreau, Elias Lindholm. Uh, Andrew Mangiapane, Sean Monahan, Matthew Kachuk, Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hannafin, uh, Chris Tanev, and goalie Jacob Markstrom. Uh, so from the Flames, seems like there's an obvious name that stands out. It's been mentioned by a lot of the media. It's their captain, Mark Giordano. Um, you know, it seems like that could be a slam dunk pick for the Kraken to make. I mean, would you have any reservations about it given the cap hit? Not really. I mean, if if I'm remembering right, the the contract doesn't have too much term left on it. Um, Just the one year. Yeah. Then you know, why not? You're gonna need someone who can be a leader in that locker room, who can help bring together a team of a bunch of guys who have never played together before. It's not too much money. You know, six seven five isn't like this unbearable burden of a cap hit, especially year one when you're gonna have a ton of cap space as an expansion team. So I like Mark Giordano, you know, if, if the Kraken decide to have a captain year one, he obviously becomes one of the guys you look at as being such. Um, the only other name that kind of interests me is also on defense, and that would be Oliver Shillington. But we've talked about him a couple months ago during one of our live uh, Q&As. He's a guy that he still has a lot of potential when you look at him, but he's, you know, kind of struggled to put it all together. Um, so far so yeah i like i like giordano myself right and shillington he's he's a player you could probably acquire separately uh Mm -hmm. if you wanted to go that route and just from a value standpoint giordano is the clear pick and um he also has you know value around the league so even if the kraken don't see him as a fit for their initial roster for whatever reason they could flip him to another team. I'm sure there would be interest. Elliot Friedman uh, has speculated that maybe they could even eat some salary on that last year and trade him to the Oilers, even yeah. though they got Duncan Keith. So maybe that uh, is no longer in play for them. But I'm sure there are other teams uh, that would be 
wanting to bring him in. Yeah, I agree. He he should have if you if you want to move him and you don't want to hold on to him, there will definitely be a market there for for him. Yeah. So next, uh, a team that has a lot of good options for the Kraken, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, I don't want to take too much of a victory lap here uh, on behalf of both of us, but I do remember, you know, for months we were saying they're going to protect Shea over Jake Bean. You know, look at all the minutes he gets. Look at what he means to the team. They're in win-now mode. You know, I think they're going to value him higher. And we did get a lot of backlash on that. No, they're going to protect Bean. You know, he's got more upside. Protection list is out. Brady Shea, of course, protected over Jake Bean. <laughs> um, so I will say we did see that one coming. Yeah. Um, and, you know, of course, that leaves Jake Bean exposed. And, like, he'd be my choice as the pick. I mean, I don't know about you. There are some interesting options as well. Nito Niederreiter, a surprise uh, player exposed. He you know, does that tempt you to go the other way? He surprised me. What worries me is he only has one year left on his contract. Um, and I have no idea what he's going to be looking at money-wise. His current contract pays him 5.25. And, you know, he's one of those guys that you could see the Kraken taking. And he's a top six winger for them. And, you know, maybe he, you know, he puts up a lot of numbers or whatever, and then all of a sudden you got to negotiate with him and he's going to want a really big figure contract, which I like him a lot as a player. But if he was to come out and say he wants like six million a year over like five years or something, I, I don't think you can justify giving him that kind of contract if you're Ron Francis. That and I just I still like Jake Bean's upside. Again, you're talking about a you know a fairly high first round pick, a guy who just hasn't gotten a lot of opportunity to show himself off in Carolina because of how deep their defense has been. Um, but you know we've talked about him before. He's like the prototypical power play quarterback in my mind, and I think that'll be something that Seattle could use year one. Absolutely, I I think he's got the potential to be the Kraken's best defenseman in you know in three years or so. Um, he's definitely got that upside. And I agree with you on Niederreiter. He's going to command uh, a big contract when that deal is up. I think that's one of the reasons the Hurricanes have exposed him, too. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, Tom Dundon's hesitant to pay players, you know, kind of beyond what he thinks they're worth. And I think he can see that coming as well, maybe hoping the Kraken kind of take him off their hands uh, for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. So next we have the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, who... Also went with the 7-3-1 protection option, protecting Henrik Borgstrom, Alex DeBrinkett, Brandon Hagel, David Camp, Patrick Kane, Dylan Strom, Jonathan Taves, Caleb Jones, Connor Murphy, Riley Stillman, and then goalie Kevin Lankinen. So from the Blackhawks, not a ton of options here. Um, the one surprise, we, we knew with that last protection spot, it was kind of a toss-up between maybe Camp, maybe Adam Gaudet. Uh, they ended up choosing to go Camp. Um, mm. You know, is there anyone here that stands out to you? Uh, Gaudet, as you mentioned, Brett Conley, just as you know, one of those energy guys. He's obviously got an injury history. He's had that since before he even got into the league. Um, but you know, as you're watching the playoffs and you're seeing guys like Barkley Goudreau and Blake Coleman and Joel Armia and these kind of depth, bottom six energy forwards that can go out there, they hustle, they forecheck, they do all that stuff that you want to see. 
come you know may june in a traditional schedule i should say july this year um i just think brett conley has shown that he can be that guy when healthy so he's someone you know i'm sure we're, we're going to talk about it plenty over the next couple of weeks seattle is in a very very weak division they're going to have a very good chance at making the playoffs year one and i think maybe you want to look at guys like conley to you know maybe help you steal a round or two once you get into the playoffs yeah interesting i hadn't really thought about Connolly much but um you know as a depth forward he could be he could be a good addition i mean my my choice out of this group is on defense nikita zadorov i mean he is you know one of those big defenders who can kind of grind you down over the course of a playoff series he's not afraid to play on the edge really physically and that's another thing in the playoffs that you need. And I think that's where he's going to provide his real value. Um, you know, he's, he's had some so, so regular seasons, but I think, you know, get him on a playoff team and he's going to provide you a lot of value. So that's probably the direction I go here. The only difficulty there is, you know, he's an RFA. He's going to need another contract. It's probably going to be, you know, over $3 million. And I don't know that, you know, that's going to fit with what the Kraken are doing. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, yeah. And as you said, he's also someone who can just, you know, eat up 20 minutes a night. He's proven that he can do that. And, and that can be valuable if, you know, I think the Kraken are going to have a deep defense, but as injuries take place over the course of a year, it's always nice to know that you have someone that you can slot up into a top four position if needed. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, moving on to the Colorado Avalanche. And so this is a fun one. Uh, they did some pre-expansion draft posturing. Unfortunately, they traded uh, defenseman Ryan Graves to the New Jersey Devils uh, right before the protection lists were due. So the Ryan Graves dream is done uh, as far as the pick from the Avs. You know, and I will say Joe Sackick did a good job positioning his team well for the expansion draft. Um, you know, a lot of the names we were looking at, you know, are not going to be available. You know, no Kadri, no Jost, um, you know, even Logan O'Connor did on the protection list. Um, so, you know, looking at the exposed players, um, you know, you've got Jonas Donskoy, you've got... Um, you know, you've got even Jacob McDonald on defense uh, might be worth a look. Um, of course, one big name stands out, and that's Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, he's a UFA, uh, but the Kraken will be free to talk to him during the exclusive negotiating window. And it does seem like he and the Avs are pretty far apart on contract negotiations, and he might be willing to move elsewhere. You know, is there any chance uh, the Kraken could grab him here? I, maybe. It, you know, it depends on if... Um... Colorado's going to allow any, you know, them to potentially talk to him beforehand or if they're going to have to take him with their expansion pick. It's interesting because I think if you're Landeskog, you obviously really want to stay in Colorado. He's made that pretty clear. But if you're going to be moving on, you know, you you probably want to be going somewhere where you can win a cup and, you know, will he view Seattle as a place where he can potentially do that in the next couple seasons? And that'll be really interesting. Um, you know, we think that they're going to be a playoff team. I don't know that they're going to be a Stanley Cup final team year one. I think that could, you know, is most likely a stretch. Obviously, what Vegas did was exceptional. Um, I don't want to put that kind of expectation on the Kraken. But two, three years from now, could they be? Absolutely. Why not, right? So Landeskog is interesting. Another one, not to mention just 
But I, I also think if you're going to sign Landis Gog, you're signing him long-term and he's going to stay there. One of the other interesting UFAs would be Brandon Saad, who has, as we know, a, a pretty big market this year. And so it might be interesting. The Kraken could work out a deal with someone where they sign, they do a sign-and-trade with Saad, I could see potentially as well. Um, otherwise, if you're looking at someone, if you're looking at staying away from picking a UFA, I think Donskoy is the guy for me. Um, you know, he's good depth scoring, and he's always shown up in the playoffs. You know, every time we see him in the playoffs, he's he's there. Um, I I like that, and I think that's something that they're gonna pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, Donskoy is is a great guy you can plug anywhere in the lineup, especially in the playoffs. Um, he's not a play driver, you know, we know that, Mm -hmm. but you can put him, you know, in a bottom six role, or you can put him in some of your most talented players. Um, and he's got the skill to kind of hang with them and, and to be creative and, and, uh, build off of that. So I wouldn't mind seeing Donskoy as the pick, uh, certainly with, uh, O'Connor protected, Uh, you know, that's, that's the other guy I wanted to go, but, um, I think Donskoy is probably the guy if you're looking to avoid uh, taking UFA. But I think they should definitely have those conversations with Landis, with Saad, and just kind of see what the number is. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing uh, with the pick from Colorado. Yep. So uh, next is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, Again, went 7-3-1. They protected Cam Atkinson, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Boone Jenner, Patrick Laine, Gustav Nyquist, Eric Robinson, Jack Roslovic, Vladislav Gevrikov, Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski, and Jonas Korpisalo. So, obvious big name, elephant in the room missing from the protection list in Columbus, and that is Max Domi. Uh, The news broke yesterday that they were not going to protect him. He's got one year left on his deal at uh, $5.3 million. Should the Kraken go for it? I think so. I mean, he's... He's the only guy I look at on this list of available guys that I get excited about. Um, you know, I know he's kind of got uh, a back and forth past. Uh, Arizona obviously drafted him in the first round. I think they were expecting him to come in and be, you know, one of these kind of small skilled forwards. And he, and he wasn't quite that for them. So they trade him to Montreal. Montreal thinks... He's going to be more physical and, and kind of be another Brandon Gallagher for them, but he's he wasn't quite that either. So I, I just think a lot of everything for Max Domi has just been kind of figuring out what he is. But I think we now know what he is, and that's that's a, a middle six winger who's going to be able to come in and score around 20 goals a season. He's going to have a physical element to his game, and I, I just think that's going to be valuable for the Kraken. The contract's a lot for what you're what you're probably going to get from him, but I don't think negotiating on an extension or looking at re-signing him next year, the number's going to be as robust as it is now, and so I'm not too worried about it. That and you know year one they are going to have to try to get to 60 million to hit the cap floor anyway. So if you can take on a couple a couple contracts for these guys, knowing you're going to need to get to that number and you're you're not going to have to be paying them past year one, much like with Mark Giordano. I think it's an it's an acceptable thing to do. Yeah, no, and you hit on a good point. I don't mind taking a little extra salary on a guy like Domi or Giordano if it's just for one year. I mean, in year one, you're going to have a lot of room. You're going to have a lot of flexibility. 
And, you know, beyond that, it's fine. Just don't take term. You can take salary if you don't take term. And I think we're going to see that later on as we're looking at our picks here and, and what we would do. Uh, I don't mind taking the salary here. Uh, Domi, the pick just screams low risk, high reward. You know, the risk is low because it's just one year. The reward, very high. You know, this is a guy who, although I don't think, you know, he'll match that again. He put up 72 points at a season three years ago, and he's only 26. Yeah. Um, you know, so we know he can do that. Uh, for that kind of reward, just to take a one-year gamble, it's definitely worth it uh, in my book. And, you know, he had just had surgery, so that is an issue. He will probably miss the start of the season, but, I mean, so what? I mean, the Kraken, I think, can afford to wait on that. And if he looks good he's and you don't see him long-term either, you could flip him at the deadline too. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think Max Domi has to be the pick here. All right. Looking ahead at Dallas, what do we got? Not much. I will say not much at all. Uh, the stars, I mean, it was already looking like slim pickings from the stars. And then Jason Dickinson was kind of the clear, you know, odd man out that looked like the clear pick. And of course they trade him to the Vancouver Canucks yesterday, leaving just about no one. I mean, also Ben Bishop waves his no move clause, uh, leaving Anton Kudobin as the protected goalie. I would you would you take a chance on Bishop? No. Agreed. I would not either. I mean, given that injury history, and it just, this also tells me that they probably don't think he'll be ready for the start of the season. And yeah, the Kraken aren't aren't going to go there. Uh, is there anyone who who stands out here for you? Because for me, there really isn't. Aside from I guess some UFAs like Alexiak, but anyone under contract that looks better? I mean, no. Not really. Um, there's there's names that are interesting to me. Um, Cogliano is a player who I've loved forever. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that he makes a ton of sense for the Kraken. And again, he's a UFA. It's not even like he's under contract. Um, Mark Pizik is a defenseman who I've, I've liked as a depth defenseman for a really long time. Again, though, not under contract. I don't know what you're going to be looking at for him. It's... It's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, at this point, for the projected roster, I'm going with uh, Joel L'Esperance just because he's under contract for next year and it helps you hit that 20 contract mark. But I just don't think we really have anything worth talking about from Dallas. So let's move on then. Um, Next, the Detroit Red Wings. uh, And they've protected Tyler Bertuzzi, Adam Ernie, Robbie Fabry, Dylan Larkin, uh, Michael Rasmussen, Giovanni Smith, Jakub Vrana, Philip Ronick, Nick Letty, Gustav Lindstrom, and then Thomas Grice in net. Um, so not too many surprises on this protected list. Uh, Nemesnikov, I did think they would probably protect, but they chose uh, Giovanni Smith instead. Um, on defense, that last spot was a bit of a toss-up. They went with Lindstrom. I think that's a, a fine move. Uh, that does leave Troy Stetcher. Uh, and Dennis Chalowski uh, on the outside defense-wise. But, you know, the Red Wings are another one of those basement teams. You know, is there anyone who, who looks all that attractive to you here? Uh, Nemestikov, like you said, is kind of the guy that stands out. I thought Bobby Ryan played really well for them last year. He's going to be a UFA, but maybe, you know, you can talk him into signing a, a one-year deal at a reasonable number um, just to kind of have a little bit of experience in scoring. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it, it's just like some of the other teams we've talked about. You know, there's a couple of these teams that are just bad teams, and the pickings are slim. And at the end of the day, Kraken are going to be drafting 30 guys in the expansion draft, but you're only going to have 22 roster spots, right? And so, you know, I think this is, again, one of those teams where you're probably drafting someone for the AHL. Yeah. Or one name I do want to mention, though, is Troy Stetcher. Um, you know, he's a he's a BC native. He'd, he'd come back closer to home. And I thought he did well uh, playing for the Red Wings this season. Uh, you know, probably not a lot of eyes on him, given that the Red Wings are pretty much out of contention all year. But um, Stetcher might be a good, you know, bottom pairing uh, defenseman. That's the direction they want to go. But like you said, there, there's not a whole lot. All right, so next we have the Edmonton Oilers, uh, who, again, went with the 7-3. I'll just let you know when the team doesn't go with the 7-3, one protection option. Uh, They protected uh, Josh Archibald, Leon Dreisaitl, Zach Cassian, Connor McDavid, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, Jesse Puliyarvi, Kyler Yamamoto, Ethan Bear, Duncan Keith, Darnell Nurse, and Stuart Skinner in goal. Um, so the Oilers uh, making that trade, uh, Keith for uh, Keith for Caleb Jones. That deal, they just swap out each other's protection spots. So not a whole lot of surprises here. Uh, the one that I didn't predict, but I'm not surprised to see, is Zach Cassian protected over um, Tyler Benson. Mm-hmm. I, I thought they would expose Cassian just because the Kraken wouldn't take that contract. Um, but I guess he's that important to what they're doing in Edmonton (laughs) (laughs) that he's worth protecting. Yeah. Uh, I have a question question for you. How much do you think Tyson Berry's performance last year was, was because he was playing so much with Dreisaitl and McDavid? Um, a lot, (laughs) a lot. And I mean, you know, we know what the deal with Tyson Berry is. He was, Mm -hmm. he's the only uh, defenseman to lead the NHL in defensive scoring and not receive a single Norris vote. Right. Um, so I do think people around the league see that. I think he's a fine defenseman to have and, and provide something offensively. But given that he's going to hit the open market, I just don't think he's going to be worth what what some team is going to go in and pay him. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you're Ron Francis, I think you want to have that conversation and talk to him. But you don't want to. Uh, you don't want to go above your your internal number that you've kind of already decided. Yes. Yeah, so then my second, the second person that stands out to me is, could Seattle be the place where Adam Larson finally figures it all out? <laughs> you know, I think it could if he wants to if he wants to go there. But I really do feel like they have an extension for Larson that's in the drawer right now, and they're just waiting for the expansion draft to be over. Um, with the Keith trade, they could not afford to uh, to re-sign Larson before the expansion draft. Uh, I would have exposed him and given him a free extension to Seattle. Um, so while I think it would be good, you again want to talk to him, but I just think that extension's in the drawer. Yeah. Then you know, I I don't have much else from this team. Tyler Ennis just as a depth guy, I you know. Yeah. Who's responsible? I don't know. Yeah, Dominic Cahoon or Tyler Benson. Um, you know, they're both on the younger side. Uh, maybe there's some upside there, but yeah, not, not a whole lot more to talk about uh, with Edmonton. Uh, so we move on to the one team here 
where the pick is all but confirmed. Um, so there's not, it's not even really worth discussing the protection list because we know who the pick's going to be. So from the Florida Panthers, the Kraken are going to sign and then select goalie Chris Drieger. Uh, so what do you think, Dylan, about that choice in net? I think he's probably the odds-on favorite right now to start that first game, uh, that first game that the Kraken play in October. Yeah, and he's earned it. I mean, he was fantastic last year, stepping up when uh, Florida needed him. He's a big reason why they finished second in that extremely tough division. And uh, I'm really excited that he's going to be a member of the Seattle Kraken. Absolutely. I mean, this is the goalie that I was hoping that they would target, um, especially when it was rumored that he was looking at three and a half mil as a as a cap, you know, over the contract. I mean, that's an absolute steal. I thought he was going to command at least four and a half on the open market. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. We don't know what the cap number is going to be, but it looks like it'll be a steal. I mean, you know, Drieger, is, he's played in the HL. He's played even in the ECHL as recently as like two years ago. Um, but, you know, he's worked his way into showing that he's ready for a starting role in the NHL. A lot of goalies are late bloomers. You know, he's 27, uh, but he's got a career 926 save percentage yeah. in the NHL. I, he's he's ready. I mean, you know, put him in net for the first game. Exactly. Yeah. So next we have the Los Angeles Kings and uh, their protection list. I don't know. It's a little different than what I would have done. Um, they protected at forward Leas Anderson, Victor Arvidsson, Dustin Brown, Alex Ayafalo, Adrian Kempe, Anje Kopitar, uh, and Trevor Moore. On defense, it's Drew Doughty, Matt Roy, and Sean Walker. And then in goal is Calvin Peterson. Um, so I would have done things a little differently. First on defense, I'm surprised they exposed Kale Clegg. Me too. Um, yeah, I mean, he's only, you know, 23 and you know, to give up on him at this point, I'm, I'm just surprised that they would do that, given that, you know, that Matt Roy, Sean Walker, I, I don't know, there's nothing worth, you know, exposing a, a prospect like Clegg over, in my opinion. Um, but so he's an option at forward. Uh, I was surprised to see Trevor Moore uh, protected, even though he is uh, from my hometown of Thousand Oaks, California. <laughs> uh, shout out to Thousand Oaks, but. Um, but good for him. Uh, of course, that does leave uh, Austin Wagner exposed. So maybe my, uh, my prophecy is, is about to be fulfilled here. You know, balls in your court, Ron Francis. You can take him now. Um, Carl Grundstrom, Andreas Athensiu. He's a player that's a lot like Austin Wagner uh, if they want to go a different route. I, Who I would, would you take? Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say, I would lean him over Austin Wagner. Um, mm-hmm. personally, I just think there's a little bit more of a proven track record, you know, for what these guys are, there's more of a proven track record. So I would lean that direction, but I, I do think they should consider Kale Clegg. Yeah. I, I think Clegg is as much as I like you and of course, Austin Wagner, I would go Kale Clegg here. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, reasonably you're expecting him probably to spend, Given the the defensive options Seattle's going to have, he'll probably spend a year in the AHL, year one. He'll be in Charlotte, mm-hmm. but um, I, I think that's probably better for him. He'll get tons of playing time there, and then he can come in to the Kraken next season and uh, and hopefully be great. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Kings, for exposing Kale Clay. Um, 
moving on to the Minnesota Wild, who, uh, you know, we were excited about this pick uh, mm-hmm. for a while, looking that, well, you know, they've got to do something about Matt Dumba being exposed, right? I mean, this can't happen. And then it really came down to the wire. And, uh, of course, then the Wild take drastic action, buying out both Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter, which mm-hmm. uh, fixed pretty much all of their expansion draft problems. Uh, but at what cost? Um, <laughs> those a lot buyouts, of dead cap space. Yeah, that's a lot of dead cap space. Those buyouts are going to hurt. But we're not worried about that right now. Uh, so we'll look at our options. So with the protection list, they were able to go 7-3-1, protecting Joel Erickson Eck, Kevin Fiala, Marcus Felino, Jordan Greenway, Ryan Hartman, Nico Sturm, and Matt Zuccarello at forward, uh, Jonas Brodeen, Matt Dumba, and Jared Spurgeon on D, and then Cam Talbot in goal. And so it wasn't a foregone conclusion which goalie they were going to protect. You have Cam Talbot, who's the older veteran goalie, uh, played really well for them in the playoffs this year in their uh, seven-game series against the Golden Knights. But then you have Kapo Kakonen, uh, who is younger goalie, uh, maybe more upside. I've heard reports that they kind of view him as a career backup. They don't think he's you know, going to be a starter for them long term. But I don't think that we necessarily know that about him yet. I think there's still you know, room to develop and, and room to maybe be a starter in the NHL. Um, you know, how, how tempting is that to you for the crack? Would you look at Kakanen or maybe a more defenseman like Carson Soucy? It's a little tempting, but as we, you know, kind of just talked about, we're getting Chris Drieger. I think there's going to be other good goaltending options for the Kraken that are going to be available. Um, I, I think we can lean somewhere else. I like a Victor Rask personally. Um, kind really? of, yeah, kind of fitting in with the theme. I think he's someone who can play center which, you know, is kind of the one forward position that all along we know is going to might be a sticking point. Only one year left on that contract, so it fits with our theme of you're bringing a guy in and, you know, you only got to worry about paying him for the one year. Uh, I, I just think if you can get someone like that to help plug a gap year one, I, I think it's worth it. Interesting. Um, I mean, I given the contract, I didn't really have him on the radar for this pick, but I mean, I think they might be able to get the wild to, to throw, you know, to give them something to take Rask. I mean, I, I think the wild would love to get that contract off the books you know, for this year, especially with having to resign, you know, Caprizov and, and maybe a bigger move than they want to make in the off season. Um, so yeah, I mean, that could be a way to go certainly with a, with a side deal. Um, I, I like Kakanen. Um, I just, it's, you know, his numbers, he's got limited sample size in the NHL. He's played 29 games, only a 904 save percentage. So, you know, it's, I don't know, a little bit of an ice thing. With goalies, they can be weird. I still think that um, he'd be a good good dart throw to make. But you're right, maybe there are better options. Um, so moving on, speaking of goaltending, yeah. <laughs> moving on to the Montreal Canadiens, who... Uh, Leave the Kraken with a very interesting decision in net. Um, you know, I could I could go through the protection list, but really, the question is: uh, Do the Kraken take Carey Price? Carey Price, of course, agreeing to waive his no move clause to uh, protect his backup Jake Allen. And this is probably the biggest question mm-hmm. uh, surrounding the Kraken expansion draft, at least in terms of how much fans are talking about it. Uh, you know, 
all the hype over that. Carey Price, you know, leading the Habs to the Stanley Cup final this year, and now he is exposed, and the Kraken, if they want, could take him and uh, make him their goalie. So, Dylan, should they do it? No. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I'm going to give an example, and that's going to be Jordan Binnington of the St. Louis Blues. So here's a goalie, gets hot, they go on a playoff run, they win the Stanley Cup, but guess what? That's a lot of extra games on a goalie. We've seen it with guys like Matt Murray with the Penguins, back-to-back years, deep playoff runs. It wears those guys out. Carey Price is, you know, 33. There's no reason to think that that was easy on him, on his body. I don't know that he could replicate it, you know, next season by any means. And then, you know, just the fact that you're looking at five years at 10 and a half per is just extraordinary. And I don't, I really don't know how great the trade market is going to be. If you are, if you were to take price and then retain some form of salary and trade him somewhere, I I don't know that the asset's going to be worth it. Also, he still has that no move clause. So it's got to be something he'll agree to as well. Yeah. So you certainly can't count on that. Right. So I just think it's it's not worth it. I'm I'm wary of taking goaltenders after deep playoff runs, especially guys of his age and especially guys that you're going to have to be committed to for so long at such a such a high cost. Yeah. So first thing I'm going to be I'm going to be no fun and and give my opinion on this. And then I'm going to and then I'm going to be devil's advocate here uh and and get a little fun with it. So no, the Kraken should absolutely not do this. It would be a giant mistake. I mean, that contract at 10.5 mil for five more years, it it's one of the worst in the NHL. And, you know, I think Price knows it, Bergevin knows it, everyone knows it. Um, it's just not worth picking him up. Um, he's been, you know, Price hasn't even been all that good for three of the last four seasons. Um, you know, you're just looking at like a three-series sample size, and he wasn't that good in the cup final. Um I would not do this as much fun as it is to you know, to talk about you know having the star power like Carey Price. It's just not worth it. I, and I know he would you know help sell jerseys and and whatnot, but winning helps a lot more than that. Uh, and I think he would be a detriment to that having that much space uh, tied up in him. But playing devil's advocate, Dylan. Now I know you talked Jordan Bennington. I know you talked about Matt Murray. Um, those guys, you know, yes, they, they got fatigued, you know, after these long playoff runs and they just don't look like themselves anymore. But let's talk about another guy, Mark Andre Fleury. Mm-hmm. So Fleury, you know, had some long playoff runs, has played a lot of games, had been playing like since he was 18 coming into the league, a lot of games under his belt. Uh, and of course was selected by the Golden Knights to be their goal, like franchise goalie coming out of the expansion draft. And you're thinking, you know, maybe this isn't a good idea. He's on the older side. And look at him now. He's 36, just had a Vesna Trophy season. And the only explanation, he's defied all the aging curves, is just that he's a superstar. He's a Hall of Fame goalie. And, you know, he's an exception. And so, you know, while you think, you know, looking at his age, price 33, you know, goalies just don't do that. But you know, only Hall of Fame caliber goalies even have a chance of doing that. But is that not Carey Price? Uh, I mean, could he not be that guy? Yeah, I mean, one of the differences is, you know, right before he went to Vegas, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury 
he essentially was the backup in Pittsburgh. He was he he had a couple years where he was not the playoff goaltender. He hardly played in the playoffs. He was getting extended um, off seasons. That last year in Pittsburgh, he only played 38 games. So you know that's very different than Carey Price um, would be coming directly off of it. So you know again that worries me. Um, yeah, Price played 25 games this season. Right, but, season. right. But then he had that deep playoff run that that is even more exaggerated this year because of the way the schedule works out. You know, I mean, you're you're going to then be talking about a guy that you're going to be playing what potentially 35 plus games come October, you know, just a couple months after this deep playoff run where he was leaned on heavily. It wasn't even, it wasn't like, you know, yeah, he was in net while they coasted to the Stanley cup finals. I mean, he had to do everything in his power to get there. I worry about the um, emotional uh, toll that also would have taken on him. You know, I, I think we, we obviously saw that with a guy like Shea Weber you know, but Carey Price was also very emotional after that. The the thoughts that maybe, you know, you gave it everything you could because this was your best chance to potentially ever win a Stanley Cup and you didn't quite get there. How well do you recover from that emotionally? That's something only he knows, um, if even he knows, right? That's that's a big question mark for, for players. So um, I don't know. I, I, I see the argument, but I just... That contract is just so big. I just don't think it's the the wise thing to do, and I and I don't think it's worth it to Seattle. I don't think Ron Francis is going to view all that other stuff as the upside. Right. I I think he'll come more from the mindset that you know, of our mindset where it's just not worth it. Then um, you know, then then he's not one to get caught up in you know the excitement of a, of a big name or a superstar or something you know to the detriment of of the team and his cap situation so while it's fun to think about i don't think carry price uh is kind of the crack and um i guess we should look at since that's the case we right. should probably look at other options right so to me um you know they obviously have a lot of ufa guys that they left unprotected i love philip Deneau. anyone who's watched us knows i'm absolutely in love with that man I would love for them to take him, but I also know his contract's going to be very extreme. Um, I don't know that Ron Francis is going to want to pay that either. So I'm going to throw out a name, Thomas Tatar. You know, here's a guy who bounced around a lot, but if we know anything about him, it's that if he's playing a full season, he's going to give you a 20 to 25 goals. Like, he's just yep. automatic with that, and I think that's going to be very valuable. He's another guy you can kind of plug him in into multiple spots throughout a lineup, and he's just going to give you that same level of production. Um, so I, I really like Thomas Tatar. I think you can get him at a discount after last season, um, you know, with whatever contract you're going to have to sign him to. So for me, I think he would be the pick. Yeah, I mean, I would like Tatar. I mean, he's... Pardon me if I have this stat wrong. I read this like the other day, but over the last three seasons, uh, he is the NHL leader in expected goals for percentage in the regular season, which that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there are those playoff concerns. He's been benched in the playoffs a lot, but I, I don't think the Kraken are the type of team that would do that. I think they'd really give him a shot, mm-hmm. uh, you know, given how analytics driven they are. And um, yeah, no, I think that would be a good option. Uh 
Yeah, given what there is with Jake Allen not available, I think you really can make a run at some of these UFAs like Tatar or Dano. Or they actually protected uh, Armia, who's a UFA. I know. I think he's probably afraid the Kraken were gonna uh, try and sign him. That's what I would have done. Me too. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think they can make a run at some of these UFAs. Yeah, um, agreed. So uh, next is the Nashville Predators, and they are the only team to protect five defensemen and three forwards. So the three forwards are Philip Forsberg, Tanner Jeannot, and Luke Cunnan. Uh, and the five defensemen are Alexander Carrier, Matthias Ekholm, Dante Fabro, Roman Yossi, and Philippe Myers, who they uh, just acquired via trade yesterday. And the goalie, of course, is Yusei Staros. So um, with the protected list, I just want to shout out Tanner Jeannot, who we've had as our projected pick from the Predators. Um, and, you know, he was not one of the bigger names, uh, but looking at the exposed players, he's one that I really liked. Um, you know, talking about Nashville's herd line of Sissons, Jeannot, and Trennan, you know, which one of those do you take? And I felt like I had really kind of identified the best of the three. And um, I guess... David Poyle feels the same. Uh, so Jeannot is protected. Good for him. Uh, that's cool to be like an undrafted, you know, rookie player. And your fo- team only protects three forwards and you're one of them. So uh, good for him. Uh, so looking at the exposed players, because they protected five defensemen, we're probably going to go with a forward, mm-hmm. uh, I would think. And some interesting ones available. You've got Colton Sissons. You've got uh, Kelly Yarncroak. And then, of course, uh, the big names with big money. Uh, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson. Uh, so, who are you thinking out of that group, Dylan? Well, well, to name another name, Mikhail Granlund. I, I, That's right. I think he's really good, but he's a UFA, and I, I think his asking price could be high. For me, I go uh, Yarncroak. Um, one year left on his deal, only two million dollars. I think that's a steal. He's played literally every position at forward that you could, you know. Uh, in different roles within all of those two. Uh, super versatile, really smart player. Uh, he's the guy for me. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, I'm surprised he's available. I thought they were going to protect Yarn Croak uh, over uh, Jeannot, but mm-hmm. I'm glad he is available. Like you said, versatile is the word that I would use. I mean, that's he's played every forward position, as you mentioned, and he always scores his 30-something points a season, and he's mm-hmm. always very reliable defensively. You know, I, I've got a lot of time for a player like that. And I think, you know, any team uh, would like a player like that in their lineup. So uh, that is who I would go with. All right. Moving <laughs> on. To, yeah. And just another one of those teams where it's, you know, a bunch of dart throws. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I guess it goes without saying we, we would not go for Johansson or Duchesne. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I meant New Jersey that were, that were coming up. Oh, oh New Jersey. Okay, yeah. moving on to New Jersey. Yeah. yeah. That's right. So, New Jersey. Yeah, you've got the dart throws. And I was really excited about New Jersey going into the season because they had, I think it was 10 eligible players that were 22 or 23 years old. Uh, and so I figure you're going to be able to take at least, you know, have at least one or two of them available to be taken. And that's pretty much what's happened. Um, they've protected uh, Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer, Yanni Kokonen, Mike McLeod, Jaeger Sharangovich, Miles Wood, and Pavel Zaka at forward. Uh, newly acquired defenseman Ryan Graves, 
uh, Damon Severson and Jonas Siegenthaler on D, and then Mackenzie Blackwood in net. So you've got those young forwards, uh, Kuokinen, McLeod, uh, and Sharangovich protected. Those were three of the guys that I was thinking might be on the bubble. Mm-hmm. And on the outside of the bubble is uh, Nate Bastion and uh, Nick Merkley are the two forwards in that age group. Do you have a preference between the two, or is there uh, any other name you look at? Um, I like Bastion. Just I, I just like watching him play. Um, I, I think Merkley's probably got higher scoring upside. I mean, I, I can almost guarantee he probably has higher yeah. scoring upside, but uh, I, I just like Bastion's style. Um, are, are we going to give any thought to P.K. Subban? Um, no. I, I mean, I know we're talking about how the money doesn't bother us if if the term isn't there, and I know he just has the one year left, but $9 million is a lot. Um, I mean, maybe if the Devils offered an asset, I just don't think they're in a position to do that because I don't think they feel the urgency to clear that money up right now. No. Um, so, I mean, given the other options, I mean, you know, Bastion, I think, can be a useful player for you. Or, you know, Merkley could also... I just I don't think it's worth passing up on that to go for Subban, who, while he would be great, absolutely great off the ice, you know, for an expansion team, I, I just, especially with how deep the Kraken could be at defense, I just don't know that he would help you as a regular in the lineup. I, I think it all depends on how aggressive they want to be year one. If they want to try to make a deep playoff run year one, I think I think he's a guy you consider. Um just because, I mean, he has playoff experience. He's, again, another guy that's, you know, a reliable, you know exactly what you're getting out of him. You're going to get, like, 40 points out of him every year, regardless of anything else. I think he's the guy that could teach a guy like Jake Bean a lot. I think they're very similar as far as playing style. Um, so, you know, that's also something to consider with some of these uh, higher-priced, older players. But, uh I don't know. It, 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 like I said, it depends. If if I'm feeling like I want to be aggressive as Ron Francis, I, I think I would take him. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I would want some kind of asset, something to to entice me to do it. Um, which maybe they give up something small and it could be worth it. So uh, next is the New York Islanders, uh, who had a couple head scratchers here with their protection list. Mm -hmm. uh, Ones that I was surprised by, particularly at forward on on defense. It was what we thought, but you've got Matt Barzell, Anthony Beauvillier, Cal Clutterbuck on Lee, Matt Martin, uh, Brock Nelson, JG Pajot at forward. And then Mayfield, Pellick and Pulak on D and then Varlamov in net. But uh, Clutterbuck, and Matt Martin protected at forward. So I know the Islanders have their identity and, you know, they're a grinding team. I mean, those guys really fit with what the Islanders do, but it does leave Jordan Eberle and um, Kiefer Bellows exposed. And those are two guys that I I did think would be protected. So um, now that they're going to be options for the Kraken, we we really have to consider that. Um, You know, Eberle and Bellows are different. Eberle uh, is 31. He's got uh, some more time on his contract, so we've got that term, but he's still a very useful player. Uh, Kiefer Bellows, on the other hand, is younger. He's 23. Um, you've got the upside there, and he's cheaper. Uh, what direction are you thinking of going now uh, from the Islanders? 
Yeah, my gut reaction is to go Kiefer Bellows. I think you, you go for that higher upside just because you're looking at three years left on Eberle's deal at five and a half per. I mean, that's kind of the reason, you know, we said we wouldn't want to take uh, Josh Bailey before, um, who's also available. Um, I just think, yeah, I think I think they expose those guys because they've they've clearly zeroed in on what they want their identity to be and they protected the guys that are most important to that and then they know beyond that they're only going to have to lose one of them right um but i I would lean towards Kiefer bellows agreed and um you know like we were talking about it's it's salary plus term Mm -hmm. and especially you know on the wrong side of 30 uh while i really do like eberly as a player and um you know, and what he brings now, I just think by the end of that contract, you're, it's not going to necessarily look good. And I like Bellow's upside. Um, you know, they're, they're going to leave a prospect like that exposed. You know, go for it. Um, I mean, now that you mention it, though, I, I do think you know the the identity guys like Clutterbuck and Martin. Even if the Kraken weren't all that interested in bringing those guys in, I think there would have been a lot of interest around the league if Seattle wanted to flip them. I think a lot of GMs are looking at how the Islanders play and what they're doing in their playoff runs. And they they think, you know, I want some of that. I want, you know, some of that grit, some of that bottom six energy on my team. And they'd probably be willing to pay Seattle a premium to get one of those two guys. So I I do understand it, although it's going to leave the Islanders, you know, maybe losing a good player. Yeah. All right, so next, uh, the other uh, New York team, New York Rangers. Um, and there wasn't a whole lot to choose from with the Rangers to begin with. I mean, six of their seven forward spots were, you know, foregone conclusions. Uh, just about anyone useful was either exempt or protected. Um, but the one uh, thing I didn't see coming with that last forward protection spot is they protect Kevin Rooney over... Um, Colin Blackwell and I like Colin Blackwell I'll just say that I had him on the projected roster initially and then he was playing so well that I figured he'd played his way into protection uh but apparently not um Blackwell is a former seventh round pick uh who's you know been a late bloomer and and played his way into the NHL you know he's 28 uh he's only 5'9 190 so he's a shorter player but Man, he's versatile. You can put him anywhere in the lineup. The Rangers were doing just that. He kind of cycled everywhere from the first to fourth lines. He was on their second unit power play, um, playing that high slot kind of role. He's good at deflections, kind of being the bumper guy on the power play. Um, I That's where I would go uh, from the Rangers, especially with the lack of other options. I mean, Julian Goche is there. He's a former Ron Francis first-round pick. Um, but I like Blackwell. So, um, Dylan, what are you thinking? I like Blackwell a lot, too. Um, they didn't protect Barkley Goudreau. Well, I mean, he's a UFA. Yeah, but still, you just traded assets to get him. You clearly want him as part of your, you know, right. we're contending now and we're going to make the playoffs thing. But but what I'm thinking is, again, we we just saw over the last two years what he can do in the playoffs. If you're Ron Francis, you're thinking... You- Hey, we're going to make the Yeah, you know what? I didn't year. think of that. Because like, if you're going to... With Tampa, you obviously aren't going to go and try and negotiate a deal with them and make them your pick from Tampa. It's just not worth it, given the other right. guys available. But with the Rangers, you're not really passing up on a whole lot. I like Blackwell, but yeah, go in and go and negotiate with Goudreau. Um, 
I mean, I did see rumored yesterday that it seemed like the Rangers and, and Goodrow had made a lot of progress on a deal, and maybe they have something they were just waiting for after the expansion draft. But I have a hard time believing it would happen that quickly. And, um, and, and also, like, you know, if you're Goodrow, how sold are you on the Rangers? Like, could you just sign that same deal with Seattle? Right. Like, um, you've only been there, like, two days. So. Seattle, see what they're offering as a bargaining chip, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's... You're good at pointing out these UFAs that I forget. I tend to have the UFAs not on my radar because with the projected roster, we we haven't been doing the UFAs. But um, yeah, keep keep bringing them up if they're relevant. Like I didn't think about Goodrow, but he could be a good option there. Yeah, I mean he's he's who I would take. I think you could pay him, you know, up to three million dollars probably if the term is right. Um, if it's going to be a two or three year deal, I, th- I would like that for Seattle. Cause I think, yeah, you're going to be competing for a playoff spot. That's a guy I want on my playoff team. Yeah. Um, I would be very happy with that. Um, moving on to the Ottawa senators. Um, and, uh, they have a lot of younger guys, uh, who were exempt from the expansion draft. Um, so their protected list, uh, they've got Drake Batherson, Connor Brown, Logan Brown, Nick Paul, Brady Kachuk, Austin Watson, Colin White, Thomas Shabbat, Victor Mete, uh, Nikita Zaitsev, and Philip Gustafson in net. Uh, exposed players, I mean, you do have a few guys who you know could maybe be useful NHLers. You've got Chris Tierney, uh, Evgeny Dadanov, uh, Ryan Dezingle, or maybe he's a UFA, I'm not sure. Um, and then in goal, you have some options. You have uh, Joey Dacord, uh, who's a prospect they signed out of Arizona State. Um, and we knew in net it would be one of uh, Dacord or uh, Gustafson. Um, I, th- I thought Dacord was going to get the nod, but they're so close. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, he might be one to look at. Uh, kind of who stands out for you, Dylan, on, on this list? Um, to me, I really like Chris Tierney. I think you can bring him in. He's going to be depth down the middle. I think he's going to be an interesting guy, maybe a change of scenery. And depending on how much playing time he's going to have access to, I think he's got good upside potential. And again, it's, you know, you're only committing a year to him. If, if things don't work out, you just don't resign him and you let him walk as a free agent. But uh, it's only a three and a half million dollar cap hit. I, I think that's worth the gamble on Tierney because I, I think he's got the upside of being, you know, a middle six center. That's, that's pretty effective. Right. And I like him too. I mean, I watched him, uh, you know, a lot with when he was at the San Jose Sharks, um, and I think he was given too defensive of a role this mm-hmm. season, as I've said before. Um, you know, that's kind of not where he's supposed to be. I think you need to put him with a couple talented line mates, and he can be a good distributor. Um, and I think the Kraken, you know, looking at who's available, will have the option to do that. Um, so if they see a role for him, uh, that would be good. Um, if not, I wouldn't mind even like going with uh, Dacord or you know just having a, another goalie prospect to bring in. Um, yeah. Or uh, I would stay away from uh, Dadanov. I just think with the contract, yeah, you me know, too. you don't want to get in on that. Wrong side of thirty as well. Yes, exactly. So I would stay away, and I think the Sens know that. Um, yep. So moving on to the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, who have had some interesting movement uh, here with their protection list over the last couple days um so they make that big blockbuster trade to acquire ryan ellis from the nashville predators uh giving up philippe myers and nolan patrick 
to do so. So Myers and Ellis uh, just kind of move in, you know, uh, move in the same protection spot. So on defense, that's where we're going. But at forward, we figured that trading away Nolan Patrick, you know, it opens up another protection spot. And it was rumored that that was going to go to James Van Riemsdyk. Uh, but no, uh, surprise this morning, it turns out they protected uh, Nicholas Obey-Kubel instead of JVR. I know, I know, I wanted <laughs> I wanted Obey-Kubel so bad. Even if JVR was available, I'm like, well, that's the guy you go. Um, you know, I love what he brings as a bottom six forward. You know, the, the motor, the work rate, you know, that sort of thing. And he's got some scoring upside too. But he will not be available to the crack. Uh, the Flyers are just daring Kraken to take a big contract. Absolutely daring them to do it. You've got JVR, you've got Voracek, you've got Goss to spare available. Um, mm-hmm. I think JVR is probably the only one that they're not going to have to pay the Kraken to take, potentially. I um, agree. But, I mean, it, it just comes down to do you take JVR or not. Right. And you know what? I think I think you do. Um, I, mm-hmm. I know it's a $7 million cap hit, but it's only two seasons. And I and I think you know he's getting older. He's thirty two now, but I think over an eighty game, eighty two game season, you can kind of cherry pick where you put him into your lineup. Uh, I think he's going to be plenty effective. I think you're going to see him back to scoring, you know, twenty five goals a season, and providing kind of some veteran leadership that I don't think he gets enough credit for. Um, so uh, I I would go ahead and go JBR. Yeah, given what's available, I, I think that's what I would do. And the term isn't so bad. It's two years. I don't think he's going to fall off that much in two years. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's probably the way to go, especially since the alternative now, it's not a player that I like, like Obey Kubel. I mean, there's really not a whole lot left exposed now if you're not going with JVR or making a side deal for, you know, for Voracek or Goss to spare. Um yeah, I want to see what the Flyers would offer in a side deal for Gostas Bear. I do too. I cuz I could see Gostas Bear being a potential buyout candidate if you're them or they could just waive him again. Like Yeah. That I think that's Either a he leg- turns it around with Haxtell cuz Haxtell was able to get the best right. out of him really. Or or you buy him out and it's not so bad. Yeah. Um but yeah, with with JVR just real quick, I think his playing style is one that we've seen has aged well. You know, one of the things you can't teach is goal scoring. One of the things that doesn't really go away with age is your shot, right? We see that from a lot of players. Um, so I, I think for someone like JVR, I think two years from now at 34, I think he'll roughly be the same player he is now. Right. And, I mean, he had one of his best seasons, you know, now at age 32. So um, yeah. you're right. I think he could could age well. Uh, next is the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, <laughs> who had some interesting movement uh, before the protection lists were due. Um, they uh, traded uh, Jared McCann, and it seemed like they were doing that so they could protect Brandon Tanev. That was the rumor. Um, but they're leaving Brandon Tanev exposed. Uh, they protected uh, Teddy Bluger, Jeff Carter... Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, Kasperi Kapanen, Evgeny Malkin, and Brian Rust at forward. And then Brian Dumoulin, Chris Letang, and then Mike Matheson on D. It was rumored yesterday it was going to be uh, Mark Friedman, but it's Mike Matheson. And then they've protected uh, their most valuable goaltender, Tristan Jari, (laughs) as their goalie. Oh, my Um, gosh. I mean, you know, like, 
I, I don't I don't mind the Jari thing. Like if if the Kraken want to take to Smith, like let him. You know they're they're yeah. passing up a player. But um, yeah, the real head scratcher here is Jeff Carter, uh, who I thought they would left, leave exposed because he's been really picky about where he wants to play, and I figured he'd just retire if going to Seattle, right? I, I agree. That was my understanding of things. Obviously, it's not like I know Jeff Carter. I, I haven't asked him about it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was certainly the feeling everyone had. Um, uh, you know, obviously, something must be different behind the scenes that we're not thinking of, or they were just worried that, you know, Carter looked really good going there last year, and they just didn't even want to take the chance of potentially losing him. So, yeah, that and no, you know, I, I guess, you I mean, he he was that good for them. I, I you yeah. know, I understand the need to protect him. So I guess maybe we just, you know, had a, there was a misunderstanding about what the situation was there, and you know whether he'd be willing to go or not. Maybe Ron Francis was asking for something to not take him to, and the Penguins didn't want mm. to potentially give up an asset. I, I don't know that right. he'd be an odd player for that situation to develop around. But like we've seen a lot of weird things in the NHL throughout the years, so. Um, so yeah, I guess one of the, one of the things, and we had a long, uh, debate over text messages the other day was Brandon Tanev, who's a player, you know, I very much like his style. I think he's, you know, one of those quote unquote heart and soul guys, um, that, that does a lot for you in the playoffs. Um, you know, obviously the contract is not great, a three and a half, uh, mil cap hit for four more years is yep. is a lot for a guy that you're basically saying, we just got to get to the playoffs and then we're going to put him in the lineup. But, uh, <laughs> you know, looking at who's available from the Penguins, in my mind, it's him or it's Zach Aston-Reese. Right. I agree. It's got to be one of those two. Aston-Reese, you know, he's a good, um, good bottom six forward, defensively responsible, you know, kind of underrated in that way. And then, you know, Tanev brings... You know, that kind of edge and that playoff nastiness that you need. I still wouldn't touch that contract with four years left at three point five for you know who is a bottom six guy on the on the wrong side of thirty. But um, you know, I, we had a debate about this yesterday, um, and you know, I can see the other side of it. You you made some good points about you know why it might not be so bad, but uh, I, I still wouldn't touch that contract. Yes, and for those because I saw this on Twitter yesterday too about Cody CC. Go back and watch the tape of Cody Cece in last year's playoffs because some of those bad goals that are attributed to Jari, and certainly Jari didn't do himself any favors on some of them, but there's a couple of those that are you know direct misplays or missed coverages by Cody Cece. Uh, I want Seattle to stay away from him personally. Yes, no, do, do not take Cody Cece. I know um, he's a name people recognize, but it's there's there's a reason he's bounced around so much in his young career yeah that's that's been the main selling point with him for a while i think is that he's a name people recognize all right on to the san jose sharks and uh no real surprises from them uh in their protected list you've got uh rudolph balsers uh logan couture jonathan dolan tomas hurdle evander kane kevin lebank timo meyer Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, Mark Edward Vlasic, and the newly acquired goalie Aiden Hill, who we will not be getting um, on their protected list. Uh, as far as players exposed, you've got uh, 
Martin Jones, who's probably the most valuable player here if you're trying to tank, but I don't think the Kraken will be doing that year one. Um, you've got Ryan Donato, um, who hasn't really found a place in the lineup with, with Boston, Minnesota, or San Jose, but there's still some talent there. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got some offensive talent. What gives me pause there is he's uh, an RFA, but that qualifying offer at 1.9 million might be more than the Kraken want to give for that kind of player. You've got uh, Bonnie Lake, Washington native, Dylan Gambrell, uh, who signed a one-year extension at $1.1 million uh, this past week, uh, which is a little expensive, I think, for he's pretty much a fourth-line center at this point. But um, it'd be cool to have you know a player from Washington on the roster if you don't get Tyler Johnson. Uh, so he's an option there. Uh, anyone else still in that that uh, stands no, out to you? I mean, you ran through like you know half of the available guys anyway. But uh, <laughs> no, yes, yeah, I, I do tend to run long on the shark stuff. Yeah, no, that's those are all the guys I was thinking of too. It's you know Eileen Gambrell just because you know it's a toss up between Donato and Gambrell for me. Gambrell's cheaper end of the day that's my only reasoning to lean him um you know advanced stats wise he was fine yeah i i know the washington thing is cool or whatever but it's not like it's not like uh he's a superstar he's gonna come back and be like the hometown kid coming home that everyone recognizes and gets excited over so um yeah yeah all right. Uh, so not much there. On to St. Louis, and there are some very interesting options from the Blues. It's this is probably going to be Ron Francis' toughest decision out of the whole expansion draft, I think, as far as what to do with the Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, so news came out a couple days ago that uh, Vladimir Tarasenko will be left exposed um, by the Blues, and so I mean. They're going to move him anyway, one way or the other. You know, he's had some shoulder surgery issues. He's kind of lost trust in the team. You know, that that needs to end. He needs to go somewhere else. Uh, but they've left him exposed. He's got two years left on his deal at $7.5 million. Um, but he's not the only good option from the Blues. Uh, defenseman Vince Dunn is there, and I was thinking he was the no-brainer pick uh, before the Tarasenko news broke. Uh, and he might still be the better option. He's going to come a lot cheaper. Um, and you know, he's just a good defenseman to have around. He showed that he can play top four minutes this season and, and excel at that. Um, you know, there's some other good options, Nico Mikola, um, or, uh, you know, Sammy Blay, but I really do think it comes down to Tarasenko or Dunn. Is there a particular way you're leaning there, Dylan? I know I asked you yesterday and you were kind of on the fence. Yeah, I'm still on the fence. I, I love the idea of them being able to take Tarasenko. You're getting a bonafide superstar, only two years left on that contract. Yes, it's a lot. It's seven and a half per, but you know that's manageable over two years if you're an expansion team. It's just that you're talking about a shoulder injury, and you're talking about potentially a shoulder surgery that didn't go well, and you're talking about a lot of things that are, you know, shoulders and knees are super scary because those are the things that can really impact a player. I talked a little bit about it with JVR. One of the things we see with you know guys that are, have great shots, their shot doesn't really age unless they have an injury to, say, a shoulder. So right. I'm, I'm really, really cautious about Tarasenko. 
Um, the Blues have been really good about letting you know anyone who has interest see the medicals on him. So I would assume Ron Francis is taking a look at that. The Kraken doctors and everybody are taking a look at that. If if the doctors come back and say, look, we think it, everything will be fine or we're just going to need to do this or that and, and things should be okay, then I, I really consider taking Tarasenko and I'd probably go ahead and do it if I'm Ron Francis. Um, otherwise, yeah, I'd probably go ahead and take Vince Dunn. You're talking about a guy, he's a UFA, but I don't think his number is going to be very big. Good defensive option. You can kind of plug him in in multiple situations. Has trade value. A um, couple guys I'll, I will just mention. Mike Hoffman was third on their team in scoring last year. He's going to be a UFA. I don't know what his number is. You know, that was kind of like his, uh, his you know, redemption show, just to show that he still had it after a lot of people lost faith in him. So my guess is his number is probably going to be too high for Seattle. The other guy is Jaden Schwartz, who's going to be a UFA, who has been really good in the past. We already know there's a market for him. Um, he's another kind of sign and trade option a la Brandon Saad in that they're really good options. I don't know that they'd want to be in Seattle, but they might use Seattle to leverage going certain places. Um, that and I, I don't think last year was indicative of what Jaden Schwartz can do because he too kind of you know fell out of... He, he had a, his rough uh, issues with the Blues organization last year, so... Uh, I just want to bring those guys up. But otherwise, if the medical clears, take Tarasenko. If it doesn't, go Vince Dunn. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to the medical. And, you know, we've been worried for a while looking at the projections about finding goal scoring, uh, you know, that's going to be exposed. And, you know, Tarasenko and, and JVR, that's going to be where you find it. So if the medical comes back, you know, as something you can work with, I, I think, you know, that's the direction that the Kraken should go. Um. So on to the Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending back-to-back -back Stanley Cup champs. And they have exposed a lot of good forwards. They mm -hmm. went with the eight skater protection option. As I, I wasn't sure if they were going to do that. I didn't think they would go this direction, certainly not protecting Ryan McDonough. But uh, they protected four forwards, Anthony Sorelli, Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, and Steven Stamkos. And four defensemen, Eric Chernak, Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, and Mikhail Sergachev. And, of course, Andre Vasilevsky, uh, Conn Smite winner, in net. Um, but that leaves a lot of forwards available who were key to the Lightning's Stanley Cup run. Um, you've got Yanni Gord. You've got, uh, you know, Ross Colton. You've got Kalorn. You've got Andre Palat. Um yeah, I mean, and then you've got Cal Foot on defense, who's you know a good defense prospect. I mean, the Lightning have pretty much just said, well, you can only take one. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to leave a bunch of good players exposed, and we're we're just going to lose a good player, but we're only going to lose one good player. Yeah. Um, so I can have their pick here. I mean, who who would you go with? There are so many good options. Yeah, there's a ton of good options. Um... Before I get into all of it, I'm just going to throw out one scenario. Let's say the yeah. Kraken draft Barkley Goudreau from the Rangers. Do you, do you <laughs> potentially go after Coleman from Tampa Bay as well? Get both of those guys in. They're the two like big names every team wants out there right now, and you just kind of steal both well, no. of them? Here, you know, I, I go one further. Go one further. I wait till UFA to try and get Coleman. So I, I grab Goodrow from the Rangers. I take Yanni Gord here, the center from that yeah. line. 
and I try and get and you know then I tell Coleman we've got the other two come back and we'll put this line back together in Seattle. Um, that would be awesome if if you could make the numbers work. Um, that'd be great to just take one of the most important lines uh, from the defending Stanley Cup champion and just transport it right to Seattle. So um, yeah, I think you really have to think about Yanni Gord. He would be my pick of all these guys. You know, regardless of whether you can get Goodrow or, or Coleman. It's really close, but um, just what he brings, especially if you make the playoffs as, as a defensive center, we've seen um, the impact that a great defensive center like Gord or you know Philip Deneau can have in yep. a playoff series, just single-handedly able to shut down opposing top lines. Um, he'd yeah, be my pick, yeah. but it, there it, are no bad picks out of these guys. Right, barring uh, having some really bad goaltending or something, having one of those guys almost guarantees you winning a first-round series. Like, like they've right. been, they've shown that they are that important. So I agree. Uh, I would go Yanni Gord. You know, Ross Colton intrigues me. The problem is he's been so buried on their depth chart that I haven't seen enough from him to to feel confident that like yes I can bring him in and he might be a second line type center guy and all that stuff because you know the bottom line is he's only been playing like ten minutes a night in Tampa so it's really hard to judge uh, right and I think you have to throw Matthew Joseph in that category as well agreed agreed because you know I love them both as players obviously they both showed up in big moments but uh, and then yeah Tyler Johnson again you're talking about someone local to the area all that stuff but I, I just think Yanni Gord brings a lot more to the table so if I'm gonna have to be paying over five million for a couple seasons I, I'd rather have Yanni Gord right yeah agreed um I'm definitely looking forward to uh how that pick from Tampa turns out uh one more thing I want to mention how likely is it do you think there's a, a side deal involving Tyler Johnson, because I know a lot of Kraken fans. Tyler Johnson's been a name we've all been thinking about for a while. Mm-hmm. It seemed like there might be some kind of side deal. I feel like it's almost going to be separate from the pick. Like, the Kraken will make their pick, and then maybe the Lightning will throw, you know, a pick or something to to get them to take Tyler Johnson if the Kraken are interested. I think that that is, yes, a possibility. Um, you know, all these guys have either no trade clauses or modified no trade clauses so that doesn't protect them from being you know exempt from the expansion draft but it does mean that come a side deal separate from that it might come into play i'm just going to mention that i have no idea if tyler johnson would want to avoid going to seattle or not um i i could see i i mean i could see a side deal to to keep gourd where they're saying you know where they basically say take one of palat johnson or kalorn and we'll give you, you know, a, a pick or something. Because I think Gord is the only one of those guys available that if if I'm Tampa, I really don't want to lose. He's the only one worth giving up an asset to, to keep. Um, whereas all those other guys are contracts that, you know, yes, it hurts to lose the player, but losing that contract makes up for it. Right. And I, I could see that. I could see a side deal like that, potentially. All right. So on to the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, who uh, have, you know, and kind of an odd approach here, given what they did yesterday. So they they trade to bring in Jared McCann from the Pittsburgh Penguins and then promptly expose him uh, going with the 4-4-1 with eight skater protection option, protecting Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, William Nylander and John Tavares at forward. 
then TJ Brody, Justin Hall, Jake Muzzin, and Morgan Riley on D, and of course Jack Campbell in net. But that leaves Jared McCann exposed, uh, as well as uh, Alex Kerfoot, who's really been heavily rumored to go to the Kraken. I mean, it seems like you know we're hearing lots of stuff about Kerfoot to the Kraken. It also leaves Travis Dermott exposed. It's got to be one of those three as far as the pick. Um, Agreed. But if, if yeah. I'm Ron Francis, though, I take Jared McCann. Like you're talking about a center who, you know puts up a lot of points. He put up 32 points last year, only 48 games. I think he's got a lot of upside. He's been buried on the, he was buried on the Pittsburgh depth chart. He'd be buried here in, in Toronto too. Um, I think if you're Seattle, go ahead and draft him. You know, he's got some high upside. He'll be an RFA after next year. So you'll have some team control long, more longer term. I don't know. I, I like him a lot more than Kerfoot. Yeah, I, I do too. And I mean, that's that's what I would do. I would go with McCann. Um, you know, we, we're not sure what that what that uh, next contract is going to look like, but I still think it would come out at under Kerfoot's three point five for another two years. I just I don't understand what the interest in Kerfoot is. I don't um, either. And you know, if it if it is to be more than three and a half, it's because McCann like you know goes to Seattle and he puts up a ton of points. If he comes right. in and, and turns into, like, their version of uh, William Carlson in Vegas, then, you know yeah. what, yeah, you pay him because guess what? He's a, he'll be at then a 26-year-old center who's putting up, uh, you know, top six for sure scoring. Right. So, yeah, so, yeah, then yeah you can pay real, him, like, five or something, and it's fine. Yeah, but I, I just don't understand the interest in Kerfoot. I know Haxtell coached him, um, you know, last year in, in Toronto or the last two years in Toronto. I just at that number, I you know he's a fine player, but at three and a half for the next two years, um, for for the role he's going to play, I just I don't really know what they're thinking. So I would go McCann. I still think the pick is going to be Kerfoot, and I maybe they have something prearranged also that the mm-hmm. Kerfoot's going to be the pick. That Dubas knows that, so he has no problem exposing McCann because Kerfoot's going to be the pick. I could see that where they just throw him a late pick, you know, to ensure that it's Kerfoot. Um, you know, because before they brought in McCann, you think it's like Kerfoot or Dermot, right? And you know, if you can give him a pick to take Kerfoot, then you can you know trade and bring in whoever you want. It doesn't matter. So there might be a side deal already to play there. That's the one thing I will take into account. Right, and you know we'd had Dermot there for a while. I just think, given the defensive options the Kraken are going to have overall. I, I wasn't sure how much regular playing time he was going to get. I like the contract extension he signed with Toronto. Yes. Uh, I think it's a very reasonable number, one and a half over the next two years. It's just that I think the upside of McCann is just so so great that I think if you're if you're Seattle, you just have to go there. Agreed. All right, uh, on to uh, our rivals to the north, uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Um, who made a last-minute trade, uh, bringing in Jason Dickinson from the Dallas Stars. So he will be protected. Um, they're protecting Brock Besser, Jason Dickinson, Bo Horvat, JT Miller, Tyler Mott, Tanner Pearson, uh, Elias Pettersson, Ole Yolevi, Tyler Myers, Nate Schmidt, and Thatcher Demko. Um, so, uh, from the Canucks, one, how, how about that Tyler Myers 
protection. I mean, it doesn't make any kind of material difference because the Kraken are not going to take a defenseman from Vancouver, no matter who it is. But, um, you know, that's a nice little ego boost for Tyler Myers uh, being protected, even though yeah. um, they would have had no problem exposing him. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it, one thing you can say about Jim Benning is he always gives you something to talk about, right? Always, always, without fail. Um, well, with a lot of fail. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as far as the players that are available... Um, I mean, Cole Lynn stands out to me, but really you just have some dart throws, really. Cole Lind, uh, Gadjevich, um, yeah, just some younger prospects that you can kind of, um, maybe Jalen Chatfield, uh, you know, Brogan Rafferty, just some guys who you know are probably going to play in the AHL to start, and you can see what you have in them. Yeah, I, I this is one of those where I ask my pro scouts, I just go like, who do you got a, a you know, a feeling for? Who, right. Who... Who is the person that you can't help but watch when they're out there? And and I go with them, and I, uh, you know, I trust the process, so to speak, in that way. But because uh, yeah, otherwise there's no one that really stands out to me. Yeah, I mean, there's um, a lot I of mean, people that stand out to me, but they're people to avoid. Right, um, and I think one of those is Braden Holtby, and his name has come up mm-hmm. recently that there's been some interest in Braden Holtby at a reduced cap hit. Um, you know, maybe we see something where he either goes to Seattle or is flipped somewhere else, you know, at, at 50% retained. It's possible. I explored that possibility on, on the YouTube channel, you know, with one of the side deals. Um, you know, maybe they go that direction. But, you know, I, if I'm the Kraken, I just leave this alone and, and take whoever my pro scouts think is the guy to, to take. Yeah. Yep. All right. So the Washington Capitals now and... um Biggest thing, they protected TJ Oshie. Um, you know, I know a lot of Kraken fans were thinking about that. Um, but at the end of the day, Oshie's just too valuable to to the Capitals right now. And they're in their window. Um, so he's not going to be a Seattle Kraken next season. And it um, sounded like he wanted to stay there anyway. So Absolutely. It, it did. I mean, he said all indications that he wanted to stay. So, you know, that plays a big role as well. Um, so they protected... Uh, Backstrom, Lars Eller, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Anthony Mantha, Oshi, uh, Daniel Sprong, and Tom Wilson at forward, uh, John Carlson, Dmitry Orlov, and Trevor Van Riemsdyk on D. I thought it was going to be Justin Schultz, but it is TVR. Uh, and Ilya Samsonov in net. So Samsonov over Vonacek. And I think that's the first place we have to go with this pick is to the goalies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Caps had two good goalies. Vonacek actually kind of acted as the starter last season, mm-hmm. um, but he's left exposed. Um, I mean, is that the direction you go from the Caps, or is there a, a skater that's kind of calling your name here instead? Nope, that's that's where I go. I think you pair him with a with a Drieger as your goaltending tandem, and, and you ride the hot hand. And I don't think you can, you can do very much wrong with that. I think that'd be a really good tandem. Yeah, I think you hit on it. That's the goaltending tandem that I want to see. Drieger, Vonacek, I love that. Um, you know, Vonacek showed he can be half of a good goaltending tandem last season. Um, and, and they're both young. They've got upside. I think either one of them could could emerge as the starter. So, um, yeah, as far as skaters, um, you know, they, they've got some really good fourth line guys in uh, Hadley, Nick Dowd, and Garnet Hathaway. I, I love the fourth line that, that those guys formed over the season. Like, they're... You know, their zone starts were among like the worst in the league, and 
they did a great job at it can score i just you know value wise i to only take one of them i i just don't think it's worth it um on defense brendan dillon i think deserves a mention um you know, I like what he's another one of those guys that in the playoffs can kind of wear opponents down. Um, he's not afraid to play with an edge. Um, I mean, we haven't talked about Alex Ovechkin yet. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's... he's not going anywhere. I know that deals yeah. in the drawer, but um, I, I feel I feel like we needed to mention that name when talking about the capital, at least. Yeah. Don't get your hopes up, Kraken fans. He's not going anywhere. No, no, no. Um, so, yeah, I think that's. Just go Vonacek and, and have your goalie tandem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, last but certainly not least, Winnipeg. Yes, the final team. Um, and it seemed like they were scrambling before uh, that roster freeze to try and do something about Mason Appleton because they know he's got to be the guy picked, right? I mean... He's we talked about how valuable players like Barkley Goodrow or you know Blake Coleman are. I think Appleton, uh, we're going to see very soon, is going to fall into that category um, if he's not already. I mean, uh, just the, the energy he brings in the bottom six with the scoring upside. Um, yeah, he's got to be the pick. Um, you know, it seemed like they were trying to move him, but for whatever reason, couldn't get a good enough deal. Um, he's the clear pick for me. Even though I like Dylan DeMello, he's... He's still uh, exposed, but Mason Appleton, welcome to Seattle, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, as you said, he's got both, you know, potential top six upside scoring wise as a winger. If, you know, if having access to those minutes, you know, translates, but if it doesn't, guess what? You got like one of the top bottom six forwards you could ever hope to have. Like, yep. like, there's just no downside. You know what his potential downside is, and that's just him staying what he already has been, which has been fantastic. So, um, you know, for that role. But he's someone, you know, we talked about throughout the year, as we both think he's got the upside, that if given the opportunity, we could see him put up some numbers that surprise some people. Absolutely. And as far as, like, where he fits in, I mean, knowing that you already have the opportunity to get Yanni Gord... And, you know, maybe another piece, if you can get two thirds of that Tampa third line and just plug in Appleton, I mean, that's, he'll fit in seamlessly. Yeah, it would be scary. It'll be super scary come playoff time. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's no one on this list. There's, you know, a couple names on D that, that you know, I, I think are good players, but no one that tops Appleton for me. Yeah, for sure. So there it is. We've run through all 30 teams. Um, and I, let's look at this just from an overall perspective. I mean, there were clearly some surprises in the last couple of days, um, you know, the projected roster and kind of what we think looks very different than it did a week ago. Overall, Dylan, how are you feeling? I feel pretty good. You know, I, I've been worried all along. I've, I've, I've said it before on some of our, uh, YouTube videos, I've said it to you privately, that, you know, GMs kind of learn their lesson from the Vegas thing, and they're going to make moves, and there's not going to be as many potential side deals for for Seattle, and there's not going to be as many good players exposed for Seattle. And, you know, as things were developing yesterday, I was was really worried again, because, you know, you're seeing names fly all over the place. But after the dust cleared, there's a lot of good stuff available for Seattle still. Um... I feel good about this team. Again, we'll say, you know, 
it, it's gonna it would be a competitive team anyway. But in this division, we are playing with a bunch of really bad teams. There is no reason to not think that Seattle's gonna at least be contending for a playoff spot. You know, I I never want to you know try to say oh it's guaranteed. Certainly this far out, but um, you know they they have a really good shot at making the playoffs. And then depending on who they draft, we we brought up a lot of guys that have shown they're very valid valuable come playoff time. So uh, I'm really excited. I'm a lot more optimistic now than I have been. You know, now that it's actually here, I've, I've always been very cautious about things. I didn't want to get my hopes up, but now I, now I start to get those juices flowing and I, and I'm really getting excited. Agreed. And, you know, I've, I've looked at the projections a lot, you know, since we've put them out and I really have to say, this is the most optimistic I've been about what this team's going to be. Um, throughout the whole process, which I did not think was going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with there were just some surprises as far as who was left available. And um, I think you said, you know, you don't want to say playoffs are guaranteed, and I don't either, but I think they should be the expectation at this point. No one's yeah. available. Um, I think that should absolutely be the expectation is, mm-hmm. is playoffs in year one. And if they get there, they're going to have a lot of guys that have shown they can be valuable uh, once they get there, like you said. Now, I mean... The big uh, decision point, basically, that I see for Ron Francis is he's kind of how he has basically a slider that he can choose how much he wants to slide it toward contending right away uh, versus, as he likes to say, sustainable success. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're going to have to choose one or the other. I don't think it's mutually exclusive, but I, I think there's a spectrum there. And given who's available, he can choose to go just about anywhere on that spectrum. I think he has given guys like Tarasenko, JVR, um, you know, heck, even like Carey Price, you know, even though he shouldn't do it. Um, he's got more ability than I thought he would have to try and contend right away. Um, and, and even maybe more temptation to do that, given how weak the Pacific is going to be. And on the other side, due to a flat cap environment... You know, how valuable salary cap space is, and we're seeing that. He also, and plus the next two draft classes are going to be really good. Mm-hmm. He has probably even more temptation to go the other way and try and build for the future. And it'll just be really interesting to see which direction he could go. Because I, you see what could be available, but yeah, I think we really don't have a good indication of, of which direction he could go just because there's so strong a pull on either side. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think the only thing you can say is not available to them is, you know, a starting center, top line center. But like, you know, there's only what, really like 12 of them in the whole league, it seems like. So, you know, the odds that any of them were going to be exposed is uh, was slim and done anyway. But But when that's the only glaring hole you can say about what this roster could look like, is something that a lot of existing rosters could also say is their problem, right? That's a huge deal. And I think, you know, that, that's, uh, yeah, you know, much like with Vegas, this could be a team that surprises people. Absolutely. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they do in the coming days. Yeah, less than a week away. It's time to get really excited. Uh, I guess real quick, do you have a preference? Win now or sustainable success? <laughs> I know I'm putting um, you on the spot. I'm only doing that so I don't have to answer first. Right. I mean, 
I think if he plays his cards right, Ron Francis is not going to have to choose. I think he can go somewhere in the middle and and have a team that is comfortably in a playoff spot, you know, with with the potential to do a little bit more, uh, but then also not sacrifice any of those future assets. I really do think he's going to be able. That's going to be where the skill uh, is going to have to um, is going to have to give you some opportunities. That's where that's what's going to separate you know a good GM from a great GM is not just can you choose one or the other, but can you find a way to get both? Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be possible for Ron Francis to do that. Um, so this is going to be the test. Um, he's going to you know we're going to find out how good of a GM he really is, and I'm I'm excited to see what he's able to come up with. Yeah, me too. I I think I think there is a sweet spot in the middle. I think we kind of touched on it a lot today, just with our picks, you know. Um, and uh, it, it's going to be fun to see come Wednesday. All right. So thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Emerald City HKY. It's the same on Instagram. Check out the YouTube channel Emerald City Hockey. You can now find us on all of the uh, podcasting platforms, Emerald City Hockey Podcast, and uh, we will see you all later.